everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Justine Chan. Hey, Justine, how are you? Hi, Blair. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's literally been like 15 I years. I don't even or know how long. Yeah, something yeah. like that. <laughs> and then I was thinking about how we know each other. I'm not, I guess your cousin. Yeah, my cousin. And I feel like we had friends in the same friend circle. And yeah, I feel like we just ran into each other every sure, now and then. Sure, sure. Yeah. So Justine and I grew up in Marietta and Marietta, Georgia, but now she is in California. I'm sure she's killing it out there. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited uh, for to hear about what you do, Justine, because right before this started recording, I was like, oh, actually, I don't know what you do. But um, she's in the fashion industry, which I know. And I'm excited because um, I think you're kind of, I've had a footwear designer on, but it's okay. I think it's a kind of a different type of industry altogether in that situation so i'm excited to hear um your side of the story and what it is that you do so without me talking anymore justine yes what is it that you do okay so my title is director of merchandising but in short i'm a merchandiser um at a corporate company um what company so i'm at legend they're a men's um activewear brand and we're kind of new so we're still um a little young and growing as we speak. So definitely a smaller sized um, business, but yeah. Okay. So, um, oh, so it's menswear you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay. So a merchandiser, I mean, I can imagine what that is, but I think you should kind of tell me so, and pretend I know nothing, pretend I know zero things. (laughs) Yeah. So basically a merchandiser I mean, a merchandiser could be oh, actually a, quite a few different things, but generally speaking, a merchandiser is someone within an organization um, who essentially helps build out what the assortment lo- uh, looks like for the business. So obviously you're building an assortment at the price point for your, your target consumer, uh, it's on brand um, for, for that business, um, and is also obviously going to drive dollars, right? Because it's a business and we all want to make money. Um, But yeah, so basically I'm in charge of all of that and managing that with a a lot of different teams. I get to work with designers, production, um, product development, uh, CRM, marketing, creative marketing, brand marketing teams. um, And I could go on. There's there's so many more roles that I kind of touch, um, touch, uh, have touch points with, but that's sort of kind of why I really like merchandising Mm because I feel like, you know, I like working with a lot of different types of people, um, a lot of different types of um, uh, businesses too. So mm-hmm. like I, I'm creative, but I also like numbers. Um, so I get to work with all those people, which is really nice. And um, that's actually what makes it the most enjoyable for me. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, you do have to know the fashion side, I'm assuming. And so, but you said you are, you do like the numbers part of it. Mm-hmm. So as a merchandiser, is that kind of a big deal too? Like if you don't like the numbers, are you going to have a hard time? Yeah, I think, you know, I would say one of the assumptions people have about merchandisers or buyers, you can hear, like you hear a lot of people um, in the, as a buyer. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was a buyer at one point and then I changed into merchandising. They're very similar, but I think the misconception that people have is that it's, you know, just all glitz and glam. It's, it's like double wears Prada and like just all this fabulous fashion and and (laughs) apparel and accessories. 
Um, but I think what people don't even don't realize, even fashion merchandising um, majors, is there's a lot of data that <laughs> goes behind being a good merchandiser. So, you know, while I do work really cross-functionally with a lot of creative teams like design and marketing, um, I actually do work with finance and planning as well. And planners are essentially like they're taking the budget from the finance team and then they're sort of like uh, working with me to look at, okay, well, what sold really well? What, what trends are we seeing out there um, from a data standpoint? And mm-hmm. how can I align that with trends that I'm seeing out there from like a fashion aesthetic standpoint? Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes the most sense for our business? So I help to sort of collect all of that data and that analysis and some of it's just gut feeling too um I would say that's probably like the hardest part to like really like nail on the head is like you have to go with your gut on a lot of these things um but I take all of that information and that data and then that's what helps to then drive what that assortment might look like for um for the company oh so interesting okay yeah. but like I spend a lot of time in excel <laughs> oh that's horrible for me I <laughs> Um, no, because, okay, I don't know if you remember, but my mom owned a bridal wear store in Marietta. Okay, yeah, I think, It's yeah, called I think Dream Bridal. Yeah. And formal wear. It's like in the Park Air Shopping Center yeah, off Johnson's yeah, yeah. Ferry. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so like, you know, she was in uh, uh, design, like even now still, but like all of her, you know, adult life. And mm-hmm. um. I think for me, like, I felt this need to follow in her footsteps because it's just, like, what I watched growing up and, like, I worked at the store and all this stuff. Um, But, like, I didn't love it as much as she did. But then I was like, oh, maybe I'll be, you know, fashion merchandising seems something like... Oh, I you thought do. about it. <laughs> yeah, I did think about it, but I knew nothing. I didn't. I just, you know, I, I just bought some. Like, I would pick out dresses for my mom's shop, and I would tell her, "Get this." Is that the same thing? I didn't think so, but my mom was like, "It's kind of the right idea," and I'm like, "No, I don't I think there's a lot more to it." But even just hearing you, I'm like, "No, I could not do this." <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot underneath the covers that I feel like. Uh aren't really talked about because it's not as glamorous right Right, because but you think that you think that because of and I would even say Justine even more today like Mm -hmm. social media through social media and stuff you're like oh I want to I can do that like (laughs) like do you know what I'm saying yeah for sure for sure everything yeah you you get this um they're like a facade. So you have this idea of like what something might be, but you're not seeing the full picture. I feel like that's what I felt like when I was in school studying Mm. fashion merchandising is, you know, I had this, this idea of what fashion merchandising was going to be like. And then I got in the industry and it was, I mean, not totally different, but there was a lot that I wish I had known before going into it for sure. Oh man. Like, like what? Um, I mean, honestly, like I knew data was going to be part of my day to day because it's like analyzing sales reports um, and trends, hindsighting so that you can then make, you know, uh, either better decisions or different decisions going forward. So I always knew that, that there was like a math side of it. Uh-huh. I didn't realize how much of it I was going to have to know uh-huh. um, and how heavy I would of my time was going to be spent on, on that side of the business. I would say like currently I spend a little bit less time in Excel, but like my last job, I mean, if Excel crashed on me, I would like cry. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. Um, just help me paint a bit better picture for my Mm -hmm. self. Um, 
Okay, so like you're saying that as a fashion merchandiser, mm-hmm. you, you collect this data so that you can make better purchases for the company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like you can you can tell this just by the trending of what people buy, or what else is taken into a calculation? Yeah, I'm mean, asking. Sorry, a lot of things. No, no, no. It makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of things, a lot of different factors that play into it. Um, you know, so okay, so one example that I think is probably like the easiest to understand is like seasonality, okay. right? So like mm-hmm. I can look at data to basically tell me like, oh, okay, pants are you know, uh, let's say 30% of the business during uh, October through December, so Q4 let's say, and then maybe into the next year, Q1, like Q2, like you might, you might start to then see like a dip in pants sales penetration, but you might see shorts and pink tops pick up. So it's like, you know, looking at that data year to year is really helpful or month to month, just so I can really see what those trends are like. So that if I bought too much, let's say, and I have an excess inventory in pants one season, Um, I know how I should buy it for the next, for that next year, or um, so that's like the easiest thing to digest, but there could be other factors coming into play. Like maybe we tried a new trend um, and I'm looking at sales and it's just completely tanking and I don't know why. So I have to look into the why. Is it getting Mm. um, enough love and marketing? You know, did we post anything on social media? Um, Is it being run in any ads or did we send an email about it? What kind of email did we send about it? What kind of assets did we shoot? Did we shoot it on models or is it just, you know, our e-com imagery on site? So there are a lot of like things that you kind of have to think through. And that's where I think the creativity part of data analysis is really interesting to me um, because it could be like anything driving it. And you kind of just have to like, again, trust your gut, look at the data and be able to piece together like the why so that you can inform your, your next year's decision, next quarter's decision, whatever it is. That is so cool. <laughs> it's a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not a lot. It's a, that was great. I totally get a better picture now. But man, that is a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And things I don't think about when I buy my clothes. <laughs> you are, but someone is. Someone for is sure. For is. sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, You know, like... Okay, you mentioned earlier there's a difference between a buyer and a merchandiser. Did you... I, I can't remember. Did you say what the difference was? I didn't. Um, so the main difference between a buyer and a merchandiser, and this can totally vary uh, between like company to company, um, which makes it even more confusing. Okay. But <laughs> the main difference between a buyer and a merchandiser is a buyer typically buys off of a line. Um, wow. So it's something they're not necessarily developing and working with the designers to create anything per se. I think they can sometimes have uh they can have some sort of say in it, um, depending on the, the company, their situation, um, or what have you. Um, but for the most part, they're the ones that are sort of looking at the full assortment and saying like, okay, based off of what I know, what my needs are for the business for this time of year, for our customer at our price point, here are the things that I want to buy. And here's how much I want to buy of it. And mm-hmm. again, using some of that data and then the, that gut feeling that you have, you kind of are able to sort of predict, like, I think this is going to be a top seller. So I'm going to buy more of this one. This is an A buy, or, you know what, this is a trend, probably too trendy for a customer. Let's, let's buy this as tight as we can, but we still want to have it represented in the line. Um, so, you know, that's typically uh, 
what more of like what a buyer does. So they're buying. Mm -hmm. um, and a merchandiser, again, depending on the company and the situation, a merchandiser is more so building that assortment. Um, and they're usually the ones that work a little bit more closely with design teams because they're basically saying like, hey, you know what, based off of what we saw last year, based off, off our budget, how much money we have to spend, we think that assortment needs to look like this. This is how many SKUs or like number of styles and colors that we think that we should have. Um, here are the trends that we think that we should be represented. And then design will then take sort of all of that and then go and design into like that, what we call like an assortment plan or a SKU plan. Um, so they kind of get to work more on the development and the design side of it. And in some companies, the merchandiser builds that assortment and then presents to buyers and the buyers for their respective businesses will then take from that line and buy what they see um, oh. fit for their business. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I see. That makes sense. The yeah. the difference between like the kind of the creative side of it and then mm -hmm. just buying the product itself. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned like trends a lot and mm -hmm. something came to mind, a question. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but I know. No, go for it. <laughs> but um, the, the question that came to mind for me was like, oh, like, okay, so how does one predict the next season's trends? Like, like as far as like style goes, like, for example, like my husband and I were at the Avalon in Alpharetta just the mm -hmm. other day and I was looking at the windows and, you know, they're all kind of similar, you know, like yeah. it is every season. Like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I see. Like we're kind of in this like peasant dress kind of feel, <laughs> like bohemian kind of, we're back to that, right? Which yeah. is, you know, like, and so, which is, you know, it always, my mom always taught me things come full circle. Don't throw yeah. things away. Right? She's <laughs> not wrong. She is not wrong. <laughs> Um, but like, how does one, like, is it like fashion week that predicts that or what, what happens? Yeah. So there's a lot that you can look at. I think depending on like the, your business, the company that you're at, you may look at different things to sort of help, uh, forecast and like read those uh -huh. trends. Um, but so like fashion week is obviously one of those things. Those are definitely the further furthest out trends so I like see. um those are like that's like uh definitely a lot more avant-garde it's more high-end mm -hmm. um but there are ways that you can take those ideas and trends and apply them in and make it sort of for your everyday customer I and see. like more for your business so you can certainly look at um fashion weeks um if your business is maybe a little bit slower that might be a little too like trendy or too fast for them too soon for them to pick up on um, so you might look at WGSN is a good um, report site online and they have anything and everything you could possibly imagine on like consumer reports. So oh. whether it be fashion business, um, they have like, uh, so related to fashion specifically, they have like color report, color trend reports, really? um, style trend reports that you can look at and they even break it out by season and year. Um, and they can go as far out as like two years or even more, depending um, on like, you know, what you're looking at. Um, but so, yeah, those are two like very useful tools um, and places that you can go to to look at trends. The other place, too, honestly, especially at this day and age is social media. Like, I hate to mm. say it, but we because everyone's constantly on social media, it's like a instant gratification and you have it's like 
cool to be very unique and different, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you used to want to be like everyone else, but I yes. feel like now the trend is to like be your own person. Yes. And so I feel like a lot of trends are also sort of coming to be um, with all of these, you know, creators, content creators, fashion bloggers, uh, you know, influencers or whatever that just have their own cool sense of style. Um, and yeah, there's a lot that you can find online too. So it's just like, you know, you can generally pick up on trends if you see the masses starting to follow them. Um, but yeah, there are definitely places that you can go to that can like more so definitively tell you like, oh, this is the color of the year. Um, Let's put that color in the line. (laughs) But like you guys have to kind of get ahead of that though, right? Yeah. So we work typically like from the very, very beginning of the process, like before we even start to design or sketch anything, Mm -hmm. we could be anywhere from like a year and a half out to two years out, just (gasps) conceptualizing. So again, looking at those trend reports, um, because again, they're, they're looking really far out too. So it's not too late. Um, Like you have enough time to actually put, put these ideas into, into work and then produce them in time um, to be on trend. Um, So yeah, anywhere a year. That sounds like a fun part of the job. Yeah, it definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, what does a typical day look like for you then? Like a work day? Oh gosh, that's loaded. Uh (laughs) Um, There is no typical like work day. I would say, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people say that, but there really isn't. Mm. Um, I feel like it really changes. I would say even in my current role, it's probably even less um, like standard. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically as a merchandiser, I would say your week would look like your Monday or your Tuesday is really heads down focused on reporting. So you're either pulling reporting, analyzing the data and like sort of gathering all of that information for either a selling report, a selling meeting, so that you can sort of recap and share what you're seeing in the data, mm-hmm. um, just outwardly to like your design team, marketing, whoever, again, that depends on the, the company who ends up participating in those meetings. Um, but it's really just to stay on top of like, okay, what's selling, what's not selling? Is there anything we need to do to help drive sales? Um, so on and so forth. So I would say in most companies, that's like your Monday or your Tuesday is usually very report heavy. Um, and then sort of throughout the week is when you have a lot more of like your meetings. So I feel like a lot of my meetings currently are like sitting in fit. So when we get a proto sample in, uh, maybe it's the first time we're seeing this in person. So all I saw was a little, a little cat, a little illustration of what this looks like. Um, and I would say when I was younger, I had a really hard time. Like this looks like it's a, a sweater for cartoons. Like, I don't know how to, how to visualize <laughs> this into like an actual garment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but in, now being in the industry for quite some time, like, and I can now, now see that from the oh, little, interesting. Um, okay. from the little cartoon image, the CAD. Um, but yeah, so I'll set, sit on fits and there'll be comments like, oh, you know, this zipper isn't working or the construction of this isn't working. The design teams will sort of have their conversations and, I'm really just there to make sure that like I'm staying on top of like what changes are being made. Does that impact the cost? Because I need to make sure we're hitting margins. Um, If we're not hitting the margins, what can I, then I need to speak up and sort of say like, okay, well, what other options are there? Um, So some days are like that where I can sit on more fun meetings. Um, Other days are just business uh, hindsighting or I don't know, high level strategy meetings where we're really just like talking through you know, what's, what's coming down the pipeline, anything we need to change in the process. Um, Cause I, I actually man, manage and own our calendar for the product side. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes it's as high level as that. Um, and then other times just, uh, you know, touch bases to make sure that like, we're all just 
um, communicating with each other and uh, aware of like any changes that are happening. Um, So yeah, a lot of meetings and then it's a lot of just like being heads down and like focusing on like the day-to-day tasks that just need to happen. Um, So I really like how you're articulating um, your job because I think you're right. Like at the, you know, when we first started talking, you're kind of mentioning how, yeah, I think people really glamorize the industry. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, this is hard work. Like what you're doing, <laughs> like just so that people can look good. Like, <laughs> um, but Justin, can you take me back to like our high school days? You know, like, yeah, did you always want to do this or what? Yeah, what was your no. thought process? Um... So I had no idea this was a thing. So you probably knew before I did that fresh fashion merchandising was a thing. The only reason why I even knew it existed was because my cousin Christine, because um, she she majored in fashion merchandising at UGA. Um, so that was like the only reason why I even knew about this industry or not this part of the industry, I guess. And um, but when I was in high school, I didn't really think that that's what I wanted to do. I kind of always assumed, kind of like you actually, like my family, they they run and own restaurants and I just kind of assumed that I would take them over some mm. someday and like work with them or whatever. So, you know, in high school, I always knew I'm going to apply to business school. I don't know where, but like, I'm going to go to business school. So that was literally the plan up until I had to actually apply for schools because I had to really think about like, okay, well, what schools have good business schools? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I'll never forget this because I always thought that that's what my parents wanted too. Um, they never really seemed to like not that they didn't care, but they never seemed to object uh-huh, until uh-huh. I applied for colleges. And, um, you know, I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but they basically sat me down. They're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to go to business. And they're like, is that what you really want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I just kind of figure I would take, you know, help work in the restaurant business, you know, after graduating. Um, but then, you know, they like really made me think about like, okay, well, what does that mean? That means seven days a week of work. Like you don't, there's no day off of restaurants, right? Um, It also means not a nine to five job. So you are going to have to get up, go to work early, work the lunch shift, work the dinner shift, work closing shift. And then, then only then are you actually done. So they made me think about my childhood growing up because my parents actually weren't around a lot growing up. Man, this is so interesting. So yeah, like you don't, I mean, I, I knew, I knew that it would be, you know, really challenging, I think, especially with a family, but I never really thought about it until he said that. And I was like, that really put it into perspective. I was like, okay, you know what? Like the one thing I wish I could change about my childhood was actually having my parents around more. Cause like, I just didn't have the same like upbringing that a lot of my friends had growing up, you know, they got to go to parties their parents knew their friends parents and like I didn't have that because the parents were always working um and so you know it it really made me think about it and I was like okay you know what that's a good point like no I don't know if I want that for the rest of my life um so they just asked me they're like well what do you what else do you want to do or like what do you like and I really like like fashion at Mm -hmm. that at that time of my life um and I knew Christine was a fashion merchandising major at UGA. So I kind of talked to her about it. And I was like, you know what? It's business fashion. At least that's what I think it is. So, you know, all else fails. I can always apply the same knowledge, but to a different business. But I know I like clothes and I know I like business. So let's just do that. 
Oh, that's how yeah. I that's how I picked. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So you went ended up going to UGA, right? Yep, I went to UGA. Um, and so when you're there, are there like when you're studying the the major, mm-hmm. do you feel like it prepared you for work um, life? <laughs> yes. And no, I would say mostly no, um, which sounds terrible. Like all my professors. Uh, no, but really I mean, <laughs> I think most of us are on the same camp, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I think it prepared me enough to the point where I was like, oh, okay, like I really like the things that I'm like studying, mm-hmm. um, or like I'm really interested in it. So yay, that worked out. But I think what it didn't help with was just understanding and grasping the concept of like what it really meant to be a merchandiser, Uh Um, all the different types of merchandising that I could go into, like what that actually looks like. Um, Our, the major itself at UGA, at least when I was there, was fairly small. It was actually bigger than when Christine was there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's even bigger now from Mm -hmm. what I hear. So you know, I just think for it being a small major, like you learn all the things that you need to know. Um, but I think internship internships were the the more helpful piece um, of school and just getting to talk with people who are who were alumni um, that were already in the industry, whether it was fashion or not, but just like people who were already working mm-hmm. and being able to talk with them. That was what I think that was the most impactful and the most helpful part of school yeah yeah I mean I think uh yeah like I mentioned before you're not alone in this camp because Mm -hmm. I think even you know my husband talks all the time like if I had just like like remembered like you know because you just take the test you just take the test you pass get an A and it's like you're done um but you know um did it does he feel like school helped I mean, it did. It did, like you said, right? But I think um, a lot of my the people I've interviewed too is like mentorship, internship, and like just um, networking, right? Has really, um, like you mentioned, impacted the future in their jobs and their careers. But um, you know, I feel like you know my uh, conception of what fashion industry is. Like, I feel like it would be competitive. And a little bit cutthroat. I could be wrong, but no, you're right. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm curious. Like, how did you get your foot in the door? Because I mean, okay, I I did some stalking too. Like, I saw like that you worked at Fabletics at one time too, yeah. and I'm like, these are not small name businesses, you know. And so they I'm were curious. when I started, though. I guess okay. I yeah. do Fabletics. Fabletics is a fairly new. In comparison to other mm-hmm. yeah. um, athletic wear, but because uh, I remember that Fabletics, I I got like a free pair, free outfit or something, and it was just uh-huh. to kind of promote the business, and yeah. I, I ended up liking it a lot. But anyways, oh, nice. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah. So how did you get your foot in the door? Um, so you already said it earlier, and it's like definitely what I heavily, heavily recommend and promote out to like anyone and everyone, Mm -hmm. but networking. So Mm -hmm. I really focus on just like getting to know people in the industry or people who were, again, like alumni of the fashion merchandising um, major and just like talk to them. So that was one of the things that one of my professors did that I really loved um, was she actually brought in a panel of um, alumni. anywhere from like just last year to, you know, five years or 10 years, just whoever she could get to like come and um, 
and visit and talk to the students. But, you know, hearing each of them talk about their their transition into the workforce mm-hmm. um, and the industries that they're in, I thought was just very motivating and inspiring to hear um, firsthand from them because, you know, other than any jobs I would have worked or my my own personal internship experiences, like I really didn't know what else there was out there um, mm-hmm. and what it might look like. And also just what the opportunities were if I decided not to go into fashion. Um, so it was really nice to see that a lot, you know, I would say half of the panel were actually in the uh, retail industry and the other half went into, it might be retail, but it was the marketing side um, oh. or they just completely went a different route. And so um, I really loved that a lot because I got to hear firsthand their experiences. Um, but it was from those experiences when I, you know, got their contacts, I would reach out to them. Um, my, I got a, my first internship at Victoria's Secret was actually through one of the girls on the panel because she worked at Victoria's Secret and that was like dream internship for me. So I reached out to her after that panel and we connected. They didn't even have anything available, like an internship position open, Uh but she still, you know, took my um, information, brought it to HR. They ended up making a space for me on their team. Um, And it was just through that connection. So that's how I got that internship. My first job out of college was through another person who spoke at a panel. Um, and then, uh, so again, networking. And then my uh, first job was through another person that I knew. Every job that I've gotten to date has been through networking. And so I cannot emphasize enough how important networking is. Even if you don't like, um, like I feel like networking people are like, oh, I got to go to networking events or like yeah, people yeah. in industry or whatever. And I'm like, no, actually, I think the most powerful networking that you can do is actually with the relationships that you've already built. Um, that you already have. Um, Because there were also connections that I made through like my parents because they know random people. I don't, you know, from the restaurant or who knows, or they have a friend of a friend. Um, I've also met people through friends. Um, So you just like never know who you're going to come across that might know someone at the company you want to work at or in the industry who can at least help give you some guidance. Um, And I feel like those relationships that you already have are way more powerful powerful, because that's like a reference right there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah networking is like my number one tip and definitely how I got every single one of my jobs oh man so like I know that to be true right and I hearing your story I'm like yes networking is so important but yeah do you have any advice for those that right now are listening is like kind of cringing and is like oh man I really am so introverted and (laughs) like like you know like any pointers I don't know like just put yourself out there I don't I don't know (laughs) so I'm an introvert myself but I'm I lean like I'm like right in the middle but I'm definitely introverted but I lean like um, Uh a little bit more on the extroverted side for an introvert at least so I totally I I totally get it and yes it's very cringy to hear um but that's why I I put it in the sense of like you know don't feel like you have to go out of your way Mm -hmm. to like attend these like grandiose events or you know go to some I, I don't know like you never have to go into anything with the intent of like trying to get a connection I think it's always just like think about who's already in your circle and you know, make those connections genuinely because these are people that you already like or hang out with or talk to already. So I think it should be a lot easier, I think, especially as an introvert to be able to then have some of those conversations. You know, it could stem from a simple, 
hang out with your friend and you're just like talking about what your major is or like what you're thinking, what school you're thinking about going to, you might mention, oh, you know, I'm actually thinking about fashion merchandising. Oh, so-and-so's mom is, works for this company, you know? And, and I just feel like little things like that can go a really long way. And like, you don't have to act on it. You can literally just make a mental note and be like, oh, I'm going to remember that for mm-hmm. just some time later. Like, let's say if I am looking at internships and they happen to have one open. So, you know, I think it is scary to think about when you hear the word like networking and it's just like, ah, so scary and uh, socially draining. Yeah. But I think you can think of it from a different perspective too. Be like, okay, it's just like think about the people you already know, right? That takes the social anxiety out of it I would think and I would hope um and you can just work with what you already have yeah no I think that's really great advice and I'm glad I asked it because even even me I'm like man it's like a big ask for some of the people that young people that I know it's like yeah you got to mm-hmm. put yourself out there da, 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 da. but then um the way you kind of laid it out I think makes a lot of sense and I liked what you said too about like being genuine and like the relationship building like Mm -hmm. not always like thinking you have to go after something right but like be like hey yeah like really build a relationship that that has some value and Mm -hmm. yeah later if it happens like that's you have nothing to lose really exactly and it's more it's like easier I feel like to digest like the idea of asking your friend hey your mom works at this company like does she mind talking to me for 30 minutes or whatever? Yes. You know, that's like so much easier than being like, all right, I need to go on LinkedIn and I need right. to find <laughs> whatever. Cause like, no, no I, I have never done that myself because yeah. that sounds terrifying to me, <laughs> but some people do. And, you know, I think just depending on your personality, whatever you're really comfortable with, just network in whatever way uh, makes the most sense to you, but like definitely network and just, you know, really value and, and, uh, and establish those like relationships that you have. Um, because I don't, I don't believe that you have to necessarily work that hard, um, to find a connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, so Justine, going back to kind of like your job, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so how many, how many places have you worked as a merchandiser? Oh. <laughs> okay so for, this is my fourth job as a merchandiser okay um I don't know if you feel uncomfortable ask uh answering this just mm-hmm. say pass um <laughs> <laughs> but like is there a reason uh that you've been at different companies yeah um so I have absolutely no problem answering that so the reason for the move first and foremost you're probably going to hear this a lot in any industry but mm-hmm. the more you move you're more likely to get a bigger pay raise oh, yes. when you move okay. companies um that's not just in fashion I think that's uh, in other industries as well mm-hmm. um it's definitely true in fashion mm-hmm. so it's not the number one reason for me I actually am not as money driven I think as some other people um but for some people, for people who are, it's true. You tend to be, you have the ability to get a bigger pay raise um, when you move around companies. Um, but for me, it was just more about the uh, building my background in the industry because when I first started in the buying merchandising world, I was actually it was in Atlanta. It was at um, Oshkosh Bagosh. Um, oh, which my is, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> As everyone grew up wearing the overalls. It was like very familiar to me. So I thought like, oh, this is like full circle. You know, I used to wear these all the time and now yeah. here I am. Um, but so I was there for two and a half years and 
Um, I knew I was going to have to go to LA or New York at some point if I really mm. wanted to like dive deep into the fashion industry um, or the apparel industry. So that was sort of the main reason that I made that move was just to give myself some more opportunities and be in a city that had more opportunities yeah, yeah. Um, for me to just sort of expand my background. Um, my portfolio was just baby kids, a uh, baby clothes at that, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely didn't want to get like stuck, stuck in, in that world, yes, even though yes. it was really cute, I have to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was really just to sort of like broaden my portfolio and my background of the different types of apparel that I've been working in. So mm-hmm. um, when I moved to LA, I actually went into fast fashion and I was at Forever 21. Um, and so that was like a whole new world for me. I was doing uh, merchant international merchandising in jewelry, which is ironic because I never wear jewelry. This is like as much as I wear uh-huh, now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but so my job was to merchandise and basically decide what to buy and how much to buy for over 35 countries in the world. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was cool a whole when new... you say it. You make it sound so cool. It, it's, it's cool until you, <laughs> until you do it. It's a lot. Um, but very interesting. I learned a lot there. Um, it was like a totally different, uh, side of the business I'd never seen before. Oh, um, but jewelry again, wasn't like my passion, uh, like out of all the categories I could have done, like it still wasn't like that, the one thing that I just felt really passionate about, um, which was why it led me to another shift. And that's when I landed at Fabletics. So active wear, active athleisure, whatever you want to call uh-huh. it. Um, that's been sort of my focus these past like seven eight years oh wow yeah oh you did a long stint there uh yeah I was at Fabletics for six and a half years so and I worked I'm sure that world is completely different than just like you know it is because it introduced me to the subscription model which is totally different from just you know having a website because like you have to think about the membership but I learned, I learned a lot there because I had to think about the business in a totally different, um, in a totally different perspective. And so that taught me a lot being, being there. I also, because I was there for so long, I actually was able to, um, get my hands in every single category from women's accessories to women's bottoms, bras, uh, tops, jackets. Um, what else did I do? Men's, um, slim. Like I, I was able to actually have um some sort of involvement in all the categories during mm-hmm. my time there and that was really cool because that gave me the experience to then take on the job that I'm currently doing now which is men's and like you wouldn't think you know like I, I'm a woman what do I know about men's clothes uh-huh. I actually know a little bit more because I I was involved in the men's business at Fabletics too oh wow that's really cool because those types of things set you up for the next next stage mm-hmm. in the next chapter that's neat um yeah. uh you were saying before we started recording that you wish there were some things that you had known before getting into the industry and you you kind of shared some of it but if there is like one thing like you wish you could have known before two things but <laughs> like okay i can think of one thing okay yeah. okay so the one thing i wish someone had just better prepared me for and I think there's nothing that could have better prepared me except for just life experience for this piece but Uh if there was something that I wish someone would have spoken more about I guess while I was still in school so that I could I don't know just 
make sure that I like read books and really, really focus on this is how important your people skills are. And I think this goes far beyond just being in the fashion industry, but I think particularly in the fashion industry, it is very cutthroat. Um, You do have a lot of very wild personalities. um, And there is a full range of different personalities, which is the case in, in, I would say most industries, Um, anywhere you work, you're, you're, you're going to run into people that you're going to mesh well well with, you're not going to mesh well with um, personality types that are a little bit more challenging. Um, But I did not realize how important my people's skills would sort of come into play when it came to doing my job because like the actual job itself is like once you learn it and once you get that mentorship from you know your manager or whoever it is um and you've kind of figure it out like Mm -hmm. that stuff is easy Mm -hmm. to me um I think the harder and more challenging piece is like learning how to work with people and different personality types who are not like you. Um, and yeah, it's like, there's like this total psychology behind it. And I love that stuff. Like I actually, um, by nature, my personality is the type that wants to work with people. So I like to understand people. Um, I'm very intuitive and, um, like, empathetic like Uh I've just always been able to understand people and can read people pretty easily but even still like there there's just this next level and this layer of like people skills that I feel like can't it's hard to teach but uh definitely needs to be talked more about um just because I don't know like it's did not prepare me for oh man so like I'm actually kind of surprised because you know what I remember of our interactions growing up like you're definitely a people person and yeah, yeah like social and like everything you just said you know intuitive empathetic you have those soft skills already I feel like but for you to say that you wish you had prepared yourself more speaks volumes (laughs) well I think it's okay so I guess this is the um to clarify Uh uh um I even though I have the the people skills I'm I'm always learning and developing them of course as I grow um but even though I'm pretty confident in my people skills I feel like um what is challenging Mm -hmm. is approaching those people or those conversations in a way that is not just professional but also genuine and impactful like I think that's the piece that is often like people struggle with Uh um is balancing like when do I actually say something when do I not um how should I say it if I completely disagree is it worth saying it you you know (laughs) because I completely disagree um I feel like a lot of those thoughts tend to go through everyone's mind at some point when Uh they're uh in an uncomfortable situation or maybe working with someone that's a little bit more challenging. Um, and I just feel like I, I wish I was better prepared um, to have to deal with those types of conversations because it totally just like caught me off guard. And I, I mean, I've been able to make them work and like, for the most part, like I feel like, you know, I've found my approach to things. Um, but yeah, I can tell you right now that there's a lot of people that I've worked with who do not know how to do that. And <laughs> it and it shows because right, you right. know 
it gets really uncomfortable meetings or yeah. <laughs> you end up having, you know, nonsense work drama or whatever it is. Yes. And it's just so funny because it's just like, man, I feel like I'm in school again. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I totally feel you. And especially like, it's like, um, I mean, navigating relationships is a hard enough, right? Mm-hmm. But then doing yep. it in the workplace, I feel like is so much harder. Yeah. I've actually never, I can't like speak to that because I don't think I've ever really worked in that kind of environment. But um, yeah, like, I mean, I would imagine it could be stressful, especially when you have to get things done. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's right. for the business, but you don't want to hurt people, but then you got to get it done. So yeah. sometimes just saying it, is the most efficient, effective. Yes, I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. Man, I'm in ministry. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you definitely. I'm oh, sure. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice. I like that a lot. I mean, yeah. and like you said, I think it's not just fashion, right? Like it, across the board, um, anything you do, I feel like you definitely need those people skills. In your life, like your yes. personal relationships in your life, like with your kids, you know, like there's, Relation at uh, the the soft skills and just knowing how to work with people, I think, is important no matter what you you do in in your life. Because I feel like if you have any sort of relationship with anyone, um, it's incredibly valuable to sort of have those people skills and um, you know just like be confident in them. And I think that uh, in a work environment, it just gets a little tricky because you know this is let's say it's an issue with your boss let boss happens to determine the bonus of the raise that you get or you don't <laughs> yeah, want to lose a job yeah. if, you know so there's a lot of like hesitancy and you know I would say I was definitely more hesitant um starting in the industry but I've sort of you know learned to speak up learned when not to speak up um you go kind of have to pick and choose your battles and I've definitely you know learned or still learning the art of like how to manage up um, those are probably the most challenging. I think it's easier to manage, you know, your direct reports, but managing up, I think is a little bit, um, uh, a little more challenging. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, there are definitely books out there. So I, I don't read, but when I read now, it's, it's all leadership management, yes. like people skill related types of books. Um, because, I, you know, I don't know. I just want to know and, and absorb as much as I can. So yeah, I can feel sure. pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you can give me like a list of some of those books. after. This oh, I can definitely great. give some of them to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Justine, but yeah, no um, I uh, was wondering, okay, like, I don't want, I don't know why this came to mind, but um, like, what was like, a time where you felt like really stressed on the job <laughs> like don't oh, say gosh. every day okay <laughs> um no there are definitely certain times in my career that I felt really stressed am I thinking about a particular mo- like a specific example like a a specific moment or just in general uh, it can be stressful I think for different reasons maybe like a specific Okay, I okay. Um, has there ever been a time when it comes to like um, deciding on the merchandising where it's been stressful or something stressful has happened that has affected the way you do your job? I don't know what I'm asking anymore. I affected <laughs> the way that I like do my uh, okay, like something that's happened out of your control, and then okay. you you were responsible for like trying to make it better and it was stressful i don't know i just feel like it would be 
I can, I can, okay, I can think of something now. Okay. And this is probably like the most relatable because the past few years obviously have been really challenging. Right. Um, working from home, uh, also just like not really knowing what the heck's going to happen tomorrow or even or like next yes. year. Um, so obviously COVID brought on a lot of challenges. Working from home was definitely one of them. Um, I would say my job was less impacted because I can do a lot of what I do remotely, mm -hmm. but let's say you're a designer, obviously that's really hard. You have to like actually touch and feel the garment. Yes. Um, but yeah, COVID brought on a lot of challenges that were completely out of our control. So for example, shipments were delayed. Um, constantly because factories were shutting down and, right. you know, there were COVID breakouts everywhere. And obviously we work across seas. A lot of our factories are, you know, in Asia. Um, and so, you know, that was something that I feel like, you know, is sort of our responsibility as merchants and just product owners, right. Of the business It's like, Oh, we need to sell something. Like, what do we do if everything's late? So, you know, it's being, uh, having a, a good enough team and a good enough relationship with your team to be able to just say, all right, everyone, let's drop what we're doing. We need to pivot. We need to figure out what we can do to oh make sure gosh, that like we have something crazy. that we can deliver to our customers. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, so that may mean like literally dropping what you're doing and like reworking, you know, uh, existing assortment, uh, working with anyone on the factory side, if they're, if they're working to say like, Hey, is there anything that you guys can ship out? Like, what mm. is that? Let's get ahead of it. And then maybe take the pieces that you can ship out and see if you can make a collection or a capsule out of that. Um, or is there anything that we can, uh, change, you know, from a uh, vessel to air and get here sooner? Oh my um, gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> so many things that you can think about, but then there are other things you have to consider too, is like, well, it costs more to air goods in. <laughs> So do we have the budget for that, you know? And if we don't, you know, what are the pros and cons? Where can we maybe substitute some of our budget and make this work? Is it, does it, is it that important? Maybe we don't. Um, but yeah, so like COVID definitely threw us for a loop. And I would say like, even still now, like, um, you know, I think I just heard that like China has um, another outbreak. And yeah, so and now- Yeah, and they're closing all kinds of stuff down. Now we're worried because our factories might be impacted. And just when we thought we were like getting through everything, you oh, know, yeah. we're now having to deal with more delays. And it's just, yeah, I mean, that stuff is always going to, I mean, not that stuff, hopefully not, but like changes are always going to come yeah. at you. And these challenges that are completely out of your control are always going to happen, um, COVID related or not. And I think it's always just like, making sure that like you have a strong enough foundation with your team and your organization to be able to just drop everything, you know, like immediately and pivot, figure out a solution and then jump back into whatever it is that you um, had to drop. But yeah. yeah, COVID was hard. For sure. I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't even think of that. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, so many places were affected, but I, I can't mm -hmm. imagine having to like take what you have and just making it work in order for your business to survive. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's like, you can't, you have to learn how to not panic, even mm. though it's very panicky. Like in the moment you're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Um, it always instantly feels like, oh, what, like there's no solution. Like, what do we do without products? But, you know, I think if you learn how to sort of balance those emotions and just like, you know, just calm yourself down for a second, you can think of a lot of solutions. Like problem solving, I would say, is like another really great um, skill to sort of like refine 
um, mm -hmm. and develop in your career. Again, not even just within fashion, it's just think anywhere. Cause like, you know, things are always going to happen and how you react to in those situations is really important. Um, I think the more frantic you are, the more, you know, nervous or anxiety that you have at that moment, I think it, you know, uh, you're just not thinking with a clear head. So just learning how to balance those emotions and then continue forward is cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was wondering, yeah. <laughs> sorry, my brain just blinked out for a second. Um, <laughs> but what is, I feel like you kind of shared some of like the things that maybe um, are not your favorite part of the job, but you kind of get through it, like the people stuff. Um, yeah. But like, what do you love about your job? Okay, so this is what I was kind of hinting at earlier is my least favorite part of the job is actually my favorite part of the job. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's the people. Yeah. Um, and that's why I kind of like stress the importance of like having the soft skills and like the mm. people skills because I think had I not been in tune with, you know, who I am as a person, in tune with who I'm surrounding myself with in tune with the culture and environment that I'm signing myself up for when I'm taking a job. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it probably, the people would have just stayed on my, one of my least favorite things about my, mm -hmm. my job. Um, but it's actually, it is one of the fav my favorite things and favorite aspects of just working in general is just being able to work and collaborate with so many different people, even the challenging ones. Like I have to say that, you know, my most, challenging relationships in the office have also been my best um, because it it really taught me you know just how things that I can do differently it really taught me to like challenge myself a little bit more and like being uncomfortable um, and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone a little bit just in order to have conversations that needed to happen um, and I also learned how to have them too um, and so you know I I just, the reason why I take jobs, this is, can answer your other question from earlier too, is like one of the reasons why I left a company to go to another one was because people that I either interviewed with or the company culture or whatever it was, but something about that energy and the environment of that organization sold me on moving there. It's not necessarily even like the company or the product or whatever, because for me, what I value most is just working with people that um, I trust, people that have just like good energy, people I know I can learn from um, that can challenge me, but people I know that I can also challenge too. Mm. Like, um, and I just feel like in order for me to continue to grow and develop in my career, like I want to be surrounded by people who really support that yeah. um so yeah like I feel very lucky to say that I've really enjoyed working with almost every single person I've ever worked with um and I think that's also just you know uh, a nod to like how I've approached interview processes um mm. in in my each of my career shifts it's like I've focused more and more on making sure I'm interviewing them too and like asking them questions that will shed a little bit of more light on onto who they are as an individual, what kind of manager they are, what kind of what the company culture is like, um, and and stuff like that. Um, and less about like, I don't know, things that are like unrelated. I can't even think of anything. But like that's what is important to me. And um I 
I am truly like happy to go into work every single day. And it's because of the people. It's not like the job that I'm doing per se. I like, I love what I'm doing and I like, I like it enough to like continue to do it. But the people, they're the, they're the ones that really, really make it. I mean, I see them more than I see my husband. So yeah, I, I, I need to make sure yeah. I, I really align with them and I really like them. Oh man, I love, I really love that because I feel like sometimes when someone is, uh, can be really driven, right? Like mm-hmm. we kind of forget what's important. And I, at the end of the day, like the people you work with is what I think brings value, right? To the job mm-hmm. itself. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're, you don't really get to meet the people that buy the product, right? But it's the people that you work with and or do you yeah. do you meet people that buy the product? <laughs> uh, yeah, so actually, we sometimes we do. I think that's again like um, part of why I like being at a smaller company is yeah. I uh-huh. do get to be a little bit more involved in that kind of stuff. So like if we have events, um, I my team we love to go because we want to be able to actually meet them, talk to them about like why do they like us or what what why what do they not like about us? Mm-hmm. Um, what do they want to see from us? Um, and it just like again it adds to sort of like the culture of the the brand and the business yeah um and it's just really cool to like hear firsthand from people like why do they why do they even bother buying from us like what sets um, us apart from everyone else because sometimes like it, it's hard to identify that and I think why not go directly to the source it also just like builds a really great relationship yeah, with the yeah. customer too um and the brand and it just sort of like really um solidifies you know like you know, that, that bond that we can have, even though like, we don't know them and, you know, they're just here at this event or we just met them randomly because we saw that they had a Legends logo on their, their, you know, their hoodie or their pant or whatever. But um, again, that just sort of like speaks back to just like the people and the culture and um, just why it's so important. Yeah. I love that. I love it so much. I mean, it's interesting that you're one of your least favorite things though is one of your most favorite things about doing the job. I guess uh, like I've always like I just always found like interacting with people like really interesting so it kind of makes sense in my head that it's like the my least favorite and my most favorite yeah thing. yeah um I would say okay maybe it's my least favorite thing it's just the most challenging challenging part of my job. yes yeah, yes yeah um okay well again um I feel like I could talk to you <laughs> the whole night um but I'll, I'll wrap it up a little bit um I usually ask all my guests before we end um do you have advice and you've given a lot a lot of really sound advice I hope you guys were listening um but is there anything that we haven't touched on that you feel like you want to share with someone that maybe is looking to go into the industry or just any life advice at all Aside, I guess, aside from the things I've already mentioned, um, I know it sounds really scary, but if there's something that you want to do, uh, I, I feel like you should just go for it. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you're in one industry and want to switch industries, um, or I don't know, you've always just thought that something was just such a stretch goal of yours that you didn't think you could reach it or achieve it. And I just feel like, you know, we often don't give ourselves enough credit, um, mm. you know, and almost like bring our, we're, we're our own like enemy sometimes, but I feel like, you know, you really have to believe in like passion is everything. And so I feel like if there's something that you really want to go after, you should just go for it. Um, and again, like networking, meeting the right people, 
um, is definitely going to help in that. Just talking to people in the industry or that do what it is that you want to do, just getting to know what it would be like day in the life um, and really getting an understanding of like, okay, yeah, this is confirms my feeling. This is what I want to do. Like I say, just like go for it. Um, it's really, really common these days, um, I think, for people to change industries and change mm -hmm. jobs and career paths. Um, I've certainly like thought about it for myself too. Like, oh, like what if fashion isn't everything for me forever? Like, what would that next thing be? And it's scary to think about like making that big of a jump, especially since I've been in the industry for so long. But at the same time too, like think about what you do know. Like at the root of it, my job right now is business fashion. Like mm -hmm. I have to understand business, but I know fashion too. And that's what makes me good at what I'm doing. So I... I can be a businesswoman. Like I, I, I have the tools. I maybe need to study a little bit more. Um, but you know, just having that confidence and like really looking at within all the skill sets that you have, or like totally random. Like I have soft people skills, right? Like I know I have those people skills. I may want to go into HR one day. Like you know, being joining like a people team um, at a corporate environment and why wouldn't I like just because I don't have the experience doesn't mean that I can't sure it might be it might look a little different from everyone else's career path but you know I, I think that I also have the skills that I can speak to and I can give examples in my current like work um, that can showcase that too so you know there's just different ways that you can think about it and I think that if there is something that you're just super passionate about like go for it you you make it happen and think about everything that you already have learned and have um, within yourself and you know apply it so I think I needed to hear that advice just now. <laughs> well, you're asking like, oh, for that or you're asking for you? <laughs> is she talking to me? Probably, yeah. I'm like, yes, just go for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks so much, Justine. I think yeah, um, of course. a lot of us needed to hear that for sure. And again, I'm like, okay, I'm just, don't be afraid. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. I mean, what do you have to lose? Like if, yeah. if you want to leave because you're unhappy, then you have nothing but your unhappiness to lose. I mean, what's the... So good. That is so good. <laughs> like what's the word? Like, I don't know. I really don't see a downside. At least yeah. you went and tried, you know? Yeah. Um, so. And I'm yeah. sure there are people right now that's like easier said than done, Justine. But... Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> no, but no, I totally... Um hear you because it's like yeah what what do you have to lose other than the fact that maybe you'll be happy if you yeah change so yeah um that's awesome justin would you be open if there's anybody that's listening that's like oh i wish i could just get a little more advice from her would you be <laughs> open to me, me connecting you with them yeah absolutely um i can send you um either my email or something but yeah definitely happy to connect and you know, I like doing this kind of stuff because I feel like, again, when I was figuring things out, I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I kind of just picked this on a whim and thankfully yeah. it worked out, but you know, anything I can do to help. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for, again, for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. Good seeing um, you. <laughs> yeah, you too. Um, well, hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, thanks again, Justine. If you have any um, questions or you want to just reach out and want to connect with Justine, feel feel excuse me, feel free to um, DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks guys. Until next time. Bye.